0: A popular question from back in the day was this one, what would Jesus do, WWJD? It turns out, in almost every instance, Jesus would do exactly what the person themselves chose to do. A better question is what would Jesus think? How can we know that? Let's talk. Truth Currents is a weekly commentary designed to help you think biblically about current events, to help you frame the things happening around you with a biblical perspective. But I want to pause today and not talk about current events so much as talk about the process of how you learn to think biblically. I hope that I've modeled that some over the course of these last months uh, as I've done Truth Currents for you, but I want you to understand how we go about the process of knowing what God thinks, how Jesus would think about the events of our day. The basic approach is the fact that you have to ask a very simple question. What does the Bible say about this thing, this topic, this event, this subject? Once we are able to discover how the Bible speaks to something, whether it speaks directly or whether it speaks through principles that we can apply practically, once we know what the Bible says, then we know what Jesus thinks about something. It's interesting in the Old Testament, in the history of Israel, there was a recurring problem It is that there were good kings periodically throughout the period of of the divided kingdom, that time uh, after uh, Judah and Israel split into two nations. The Bible tells us about good kings, particularly in Judah, uh, that often were commended by God at the end of their lives. But almost always there is a caveat. There is the statement that they, they were good kings, but... For example, Jehoash in 2nd Kings chapter 12 verses 3 and 4. It says, "Jehoash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all his days. Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away." Speaking about another king, it says in 2nd Kings chapter 15:35, "the people still sacrificed and made offerings on the high places." You see in the ancient world, Israel had a centralized place where they were supposed to worship. It was affirmed and chosen by God, but they had other places that were competing worship spots and even the good kings often didn't remove those competing places of worship because they were so popular, so convenient for the people that even good kings shied away from saying this is bad, we need to do away with it. I wonder in our culture if we're not in a similar situation where we have those who are charged with speaking truth, charged with providing spiritual leadership to God's people, and yet there is an area in our culture that is almost left untouched because it's so popular. I want to talk about movies and television. Now right away, I've lost some of this audience because you don't want to hear about anything the Bible has to say about that. You're content with your entertainment. But let me ask you this question. Are we living with a blind spot that actually compromises our ability to think biblically because we are putting into our minds something that is antithetical, something that is the exact opposite of what the Bible has to say and what Jesus would think about the things that we face. Here's a perfect example. The number one show right now in the world is a Netflix original called The Squid Game. The Squid Game is a a, a television show that is marked by bad language and and sexuality certainly, but it is mostly known for incredibly graphic and gratuitous violence. This has become um, a very common thing in our culture. We can go back before the Squid Game and we can talk about Game of Thrones and we can go back before that and we can talk about The Sopranos some of the most popular, most talked about television shows and movies in our culture are things that go out of their way to degrade the dignity of humanity and to draw us in until we can't risk being the only one in our social circle that's not up to date on the latest episode of The Hottest Show. Now, as we talk about this, it's always easy for for Christians to go, well, you know, uh, there's really one of two problems that we fall into, and that's true. There are those who say, "Um, I have a real legalistic approach to this. I don't see any movies that are rated R. I don't don't watch anything that's on a streaming service. Uh, The fact of the matter is, there's more nuance to this than just a blanket prohibition against all television or all movies. The reality is, I'm not here to tell you that that there's no such thing as an R-rated movie that qualifies as a beneficial experience for a believer. For example, there's a movie from a number of years ago by the name of Amistad. It is rated R, and it deserves to be rated R because it tells the story of the brutality of the slave trade in the 18th century. But it also, of all the movies I've ever seen, has one of the most effective presentations of the biblical gospel I've ever seen. So there's not a a legalistic approach to, to this subject, but I don't think our problem is that we're too strict about what we watch. In fact, our problem falls into the other camp. We have, like the high places, we have fallen victim to the idea that some things are just so culturally popular that in order for us to be relevant, in order for us to be able to talk to our coworkers and the people that, are, that, that we cross paths with, we need to be up to speed on these things. We need to know what's going on. And yet the question that I wanna ask you is, what does the Bible say about this? If you haven't heard about the Squid Game, just look on IMDb and see what the plot summaries of the episodes are. It is a disturbing storyline with, as I said, graphic and gratuitous violence. The question is, is there anything on Netflix or HBO or any other service that we watch that has an MA rating, a mature rating, is there anything that qualifies as something that is mentally healthy for believers to put into our minds? Let me give you some, some, some guidelines. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 23, verse seven, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. The real you, not the persona that you promote to, to those who are around you, the real you is defined by those things that dominate your thoughts. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse five, the apostle Paul said, we compel every human thought to surrender to obedience in Christ. Now, how do you do that? If we're to be a people of truth in a generation that has rejected and suppressed truth, How do we learn to take every thought captive to make our thought processes themselves subject to the Lordship of Jesus Christ? Well, Paul gives us a verse in the fourth chapter of his letter that we call Philippians. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now let me suggest some things to you. He gives us an overarching category of two qualities. He calls those things moral excellence and praise. In other words, he says, look for those things that are recognized as being morally above reproach and those things that are universally praised as good, those things which call down universal human approval. But he says this, he gives us some, some categories, two categories, one, absolutes, and one, subjective. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me walk you through them. He says, if you want to think like Jesus if you want to have biblical thoughts, if you want to be able to think in a way that gives you a biblical understanding of the events and and the information in your generation, he says, first of all, think about what is true. Now, truth is up for grabs in, in our generation, but it's not really. It's only up for grabs because we've decided that it's relative. The fact of the matter is, You can decide truth is relative the same way that you can decide that the sun is not hot, but it doesn't change the objective reality. Truth is truth. And he says, think about those things that have a truthfulness about them, those things that are uncontested, avoid things that are illusion, that are deceptive, in fact, when he uses this language, he really means avoid things that are, are slanderous or, or, or fantastic in a, in a negative sense. It brings to mind television. Television, by definition, is illusion. In our generation, it has become often propaganda. Think about what's true. He says, think about what's noble or honorable. That is, those things that lift us up, that make us better people. Avoid the tawdry, the cheap, the irreverent, the gratuitous. Avoid those things that make us more like animals. Think about things, pursue things that lift us up and make us noble as creations in the image of God. He says, think about whatever is right or just. That means think about those things that reflect the character of God, avoid thoughts that undermine responsibility, that, that tear us away from ethical standards, those thoughts that help us justify doing things that we know Jesus wouldn't be pleased with. He says, think about whatever is pure. That's an important word. It means think about those things that are without stain, unsullied not dirty. Avoid things with mixed motives or uh, adulterated qualities. Put your mind onto things that allow you to walk with Jesus. What would Jesus think? You see, we get to that answer by answering the question, what does the Bible say? And the Bible says that there are some places, there are some things that are just not appropriate for us. The problem is in our generation, I hear Christians say things like, well, but, but, but I don't wanna be weird. Well, here's the thing. If you mean I don't wanna be weird in the sense that I wanna be just like everybody else, I promise you Jesus didn't die so that you could be just like everybody else. He died so that you could be something you could never be on your own. Paul tells us to think about those things that are lovely and admirable. Now those are more subjective, but it simply means find those things that lift us up, those things that deserve our admiration. Listen, I don't want truth currents to be a 15 minute a week lecture where I tell you what to think about the events of our day. I want Truth Currents to be a model of how I've learned to try and think biblical thoughts, to figure out what the Bible has to say so that I can think like Jesus about what happens in our generation. But I'm telling you, part of that battle is We have to quit putting things into our minds that compromise our ability to contemplate the very things that make us better. When Paul says, think on these things, it's a word that means ponder, calculate, reckon, contemplate. In other words, learning to think biblically, learning to think like Jesus doesn't happen overnight. It is a practiced discipline that develops because you put the Word of God into your mind, you let the Word be implanted in you, and you don't substitute whatever the trendy show is on Netflix or HBO. Folks, I haven't seen any of the Squid Game, so you might say, well, so where do you get off talking about it? Well, listen. I don't have to jump off a cliff to know that gravity will make a bad end of that event. I know enough about what the Bible says about what is good to put in my mind and what is bad to put in my mind to know that there are some things that I need to mentally stay away from. We've grown so accustomed to things that should shock us that we no longer see sin in the things that we put in our mind. And I wonder if like those kings from long ago, I wonder if our blind spot, our pagan places that aren't being removed, I wonder if for us, those pagan places are on the screen. What would Jesus do? Well, it would depend on what Jesus would think. What would Jesus think? He would think what the Bible says about our culture. Let's be content to be weird when weird means to be like Jesus. This is Truth Currents.